we're going to talk about um, something that, that is very close to what we've been talking about all along on, on this meeting. And tonight, or to this evening rather, the title of the lesson is Reputation and Integrity. So we might be sitting here thinking, you know, this is exactly what our young people need to hear. They need to be paying attention to what, these, what their reputation is and what their integrity is. But I'm going to tell you that each one of us, no matter how old we are, need to pay attention to this one. And they're different. And you might say, well, they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, they do. Reputation and integrity do go hand in hand. So what we want to do first, I guess, is to find out what are we talking about when we talk about reputation. I think that's an easy one. Reputation is, is really what we're known for. Let's look at James 2, verses... Hang on, let me get down here where I can read this. Can't read with glasses, can't read without them. Let me get down here. James 2, verses 14 through 17. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. And a lot of times the works that we do establish what I introduced here in a, just a few minutes ago. It, it is what kind of defines our reputation and even defines um, our ethics <laughs> and all the things that we do. Integrity. Integrity that we have is, let me, well, let me get this. Let me get some definitions out of the way here. What is reputation? It's what we're known for. It's our character. And it's what defines us to the world. When I have a reputation, you have a reputation, it is what people see in you and what they know you for. Now, let me give you a few examples that, that, that I use in, in thinking about this. If someone has a good reputation, I've known them for a while, I know what they're going to do. When they tell me something, if they say I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do that, I put that in the bank. And what I mean by putting it in the bank is I can trust that. Because what they say is true. They're known for telling the truth. They got a good reputation. They're known for following through. And I can trust that. So reputation is really how the world defines us. So let's look at integrity. What is that? It's the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles and moral uprightness. And an adherence, that means following, a code of moral values. And moral values are going to be things like truthfulness, purity, long-suffering, patience, all of the things that we've talked about. we talked about quite a bit of that in this, in this uh, weekend meeting. And these things are important because these are our ethics. And integrity are the ethics that we follow. It is an adherence to a code that we think is important. And more especially what the Bible says is important. So we all have that reputation based on what people think about us. It may be correct or it may not be. How many times have you, have you, as you're growing up through life, you might hear what somebody says about you. Maybe they say, well, you know, this guy, 
he he won't do this or he won't do that. He's kind of lazy or whatever, and you're maybe you're not lazy. So that could be something that's not accurate. And we don't like hearing that. We we want to be, particularly if we if we think we're doing good, we want to be known for doing good, not known for doing bad when we're doing good. So it could be incorrect. So how do we develop a reputation? How is that done? I want to stop for just a minute and say, you've all heard probably that, that a reputation is hard to establish and easy to lose. And there's some truth to that. You build a long time, maybe years, building a reputation. And then if you do something that people don't like, and all of a sudden you've got a problem. You've got a problem with the reputation. Your integrity is called to question, right? So, we build a, a reputation on how we live our life. What, what people see in us each day? Do we work or are we lazy? Are we generous or are we stingy? Are we short with people or are we long-suffering? And we can go all the way down the line on all of these different principles that God's Word tells us to, to do. And if we fail in those, then we develop a reputation of that kind of person. How we live our life, your honesty, your outlook on life, your optimism, your skepticism. And we know people that are like that. We know people that are pretty well, every time you see them, they're optimistic about things. And, and a lot of people... You know they've got all kind of physical problems and all that, and, and you, you go see them and you say, hey, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. I really appreciate that because we all know people that have got a few ailments along the way, and you go and say, how you doing? And boy, they, well, let me tell you this. <laughs> and they go down the checklist, you know. And after a while, they're kind of known for that. What do we want to be known for? Well, I think we want to be known for being optimistic, right? Reputation are also built on ethics. Now, that's moral principles that govern a person's behavior. And we can change those. We can identify those as being something we don't want to have in life. And once we identify those, we can use the Bible to clarify that for us. We identify those and then we can work to change them. Now, how do we do that? Well, we can model ourselves after people that have good reputation and good ethics. We can see what they do and see what the Bible says about that and make those comparisons. Also, how we interact with family, friends, and co-workers and neighbors and all that, that is where we establish what our ethics are. And again, as I said before, sometimes all of that kind of goes out the window when somebody gets mad or aggravated or there's, there's pressure on them. We see sometimes what people are really built out of. So good reputations are built on good behavior. Let's look at Acts 6 and 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now what's going on here? The church here has got some physical needs that need to be taken care of. And we identify this as, as what deacons do sometimes. And what was the selection process? Those spiritual leaders of that congregation right there needed somebody to take care of the widows. So this is what they told their people. They said, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you. In other words, they were told to look into the congregation. And what are they looking for? 
They're looking for seven men of honest report. A report is, is what, what you do. You get a report card at school, right? It, it tells you about what you've been doing in class all along the way. So a report about someone else is what they've been doing in life. So they were told to look into that congregation for seven honest men of good report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And we're not studying deacons and elders and roles and all that stuff, but what I want to say is that was important to the church at that point in time, wasn't it? And if it's important to the church, it should be important to us. If we identify something in Scripture that's important, then we should apply that to our life. We need to have a good report because it means things. That's, that means things to God. So, we also see those in the Bible that did not have that good reputation. I guess one that stands out a, a whole lot to me is Ananias and Sapphira. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price his wife also privy to it. She knew about it. That's what that meant. So they got Ananias and Sapphira, and they sell a piece of land, and they got some money. And they, they were going to go give this money to the apostles, but they held back a portion of it, and she knew what was going on. But they're not going to let people know that, are they? They're going to act like it was all that they had gotten from that selling that possession. His wife also being privy to it and brought it, brought a certain part, that means part of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back a part of the price of the land? Hmm. Peter asked him, Ananias, why did, why did Satan fill your heart that you would lie to the, listen to this, to the Holy Ghost? Was, was Ananias talking to the Holy Ghost? He was talking to the apostles. But what he was doing, he was lying about a spiritual matter. And I think that is a warning to me, and it should be a warning to you, that when it comes to spiritual matters especially, we know we're not supposed to lie at all, but in spiritual matters, we need to tell the truth. Here's our example. Ananias telling a lie about a spiritual matter. Let's see what happened to him. He asked, he asked Ananias a, um, a question. I think it's a fair question. While it remained, was it not thine own? He's saying, while, while all of this money that you got was yours, it was, it was yours. Was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? He said, you know, you sold the land. It was yours. You could have you just came and get part of it but you lied about it. That's what he's getting at here. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Again, I want to, see, I want to make note of the fact that who did he lie to? He lied to God, even though he told it to men. We need to be very careful about that. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. He died right there. That's what that means when he said he gave up the ghost. Ananias died right there. And great fear came on all of them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. He's dead. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, that's Ananias' wife, named Sapphira, 
not knowing what had done, came in. And Peter answered unto her. And he didn't tell her all what had happened. He just, he gives her the question. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me what, where, tell me where you, whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Straightway she fell down, she fell down straightway at, the, at his feet and yielded up the ghost. She died. And the young men came in and found her dead and carried her forth and buried, buried her by her husband. Now, we started out on this to establish how that someone could be, have a reputation. She, both, both of them have a reputation. Even 2,000 years later, if we think about somebody that would be dis dishonest, we could think about this couple here, Ananias and Sapphira. Along with that, we, we have learned the great obligation that we have to be truthful particularly in spiritual matters. Although Revelation 21:8 says all liars will have their part in a lake of, all liars will have their part in a lake of fire. So we need to be truthful people. Not only will it build our reputation, but it will build our integrity. We need to be truthful. So, do you live up to the standards that you hold for others? Do you? Think about that. Do you in your life in your life, do you live up to what you expect out of other people? Here we go again, truthfulness. Your integrity. Your morals. And how you treat others. How you treat the church. We talked some about that in this weekend meeting. About how we treat the church. Do we live up to do we live up to the standards that we impose on other people? Sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes people can have a standard for some people, but we don't, we've got a good excuse for why we don't have that standard. You know, just as God is no respecter of persons, we should not either be. We should treat everybody the same. Yeah, I know what you're probably thinking on that, but when we come to standards of behavior and morals and 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 what people should do and could do and, and should not do, that should be the same as it is for what we do. And it should be good. It should follow God's pattern. So, God wants purity in our lives. In Matthew 5 and 8, here's what Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God wants you to be pure. He wants me to be pure. He wants to us to have purity in our lives. Characteristics of integrity and purity. Well, let's look at, at an example towards those that are outside of Christ. How do we treat people that are outside of Christ when we think about integrity and purity? In Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6, walk in wisdom towards them that are without. That, that's what that means. When you see that, that terminology, the ones that are without are, are outside the body of Christ. Redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to, you ought to answer every man. We need to be careful about how we speak to people. 
we need to be careful about how do we speak to people even that are outside the church. We don't have to have we shouldn't have two standards. We shouldn't have a standard that, that we use when we're down at Walmart and the clerk aggravates us and we act out in how we answer him or her. And then a different standard when we're around church people. You know what we need to have is the right standard for everybody. And when we do, we will have integrity and purity in our life. Toward all people, Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister, and that means serve, grace unto the hearers. Let no evil communication, no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's what the scripture says. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Because when it does, that's what people remember. Now you can have a really great reputation and then get in town and pitch a big old fit and say a bunch of things that you shouldn't and the reputation just went down the drain. Can you get it back? Yes, you can. But it takes a long time. We need to guard our reputation. We need to guard it just like it's something very precious, which it is. And develop that mind of Christ. We've used it several times about developing the mind of Christ. We're going to get this out of Timothy. Now where Paul tells Timothy, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. We can't be out here striving and, and being cranky with people and out of order with folks, can we? The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Some men? Everybody except the guy at Walmart that made us mad? The people at the bank that didn't do it right? The scripture says, Be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, and patient. That's a tall order. I know what it is. You know, it's easy for me to stand up here and read this, and, and it's a lot more difficult for me to place it into my life when things are not going just exactly right, particularly when people have done something wrong against me, not just that they got under my skin a bit, but they actually did something wrong. That's the true test. That's when it will be determined what we're made out of. Can we be gentle unto all men? Can we be apt to teach patient? Extreme pressure. Peter. Think about Peter. You know, Peter, he, he got in a jam a few times along the way, didn't he? He had a rough time of it. Have you ever denied Christ? Peter did. He denied Christ. Have you ever done that? By your actions? Did people see Christ in you? Did you or me? Have we done things where people could not see Christ in me or you? That can happen to us. What about our speech? By our failure to take a stand for the right thing. That's a difficult one. I think it's more difficult. I guess it, maybe you don't, may not think that, but I do. Sometimes I, I wonder, why didn't I say something? Why didn't I take a position, of, a better position on that? Why didn't I take the position that the Lord would want me to take on that? Why didn't I stand up for the right thing? Have you ever done that? You know, you could ask Peter that. Peter, when they laid their hands on Jesus and took him away, 
Should you have said something? Should you have done something? Now we know that, that Christ had to be crucified for the, for the fulfillment of the Scripture. We understand that. But you know, when that rooster crowed that last, that last time there, old Peter, he wept. He knew he'd done something wrong. He didn't do what he should have done. He denied Christ in his actions, in his speech, and for his failure to speak up. And we can do that too in our life. Even our response during conflict times. Ephesians 4 and 26, Be ye angry and sin not. You know, the Bible does not say, Don't be angry. Thou shalt not be angry. It doesn't say that. What it tells us out of this scripture here is that we're going to be angry from time to time. Don't sin. Contain it. These are hard things. I'm telling you, I'm not talking about stuff that's easy to do. I'm talking about stuff that gives us a challenge. But it's also is things that builds a good reputation in us and people can see our integrity. I guarantee you, if somebody's standing there watching you being mistreated and you're responding the right way, the way Christ wanted you to respond, you're going to increase your level of how that person thinks about you that's standing there watching that. They're going to be saying, wow, well, I can't believe that guy just stood there and took that. And they may even say, well, I'll tell you what I'd have done, you know, and then they'll go on and they'll tell you about what they would have done. What did Christ do when they were dragging him away to crucify him? He wasn't screaming and kicking, cussing and letting them have it. No, he wasn't. Following God's way demands a great cost, doesn't it? You're going to pay the price if you follow God's plan. But the eternal reward will be greater than any price you pay here on earth. Matthew 4, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, Peter, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto, unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So what did they do? They dropped their they dropped their nets. You think they were criticized for that? Oh yeah. Because of, the scripture says, and they went and they straightway, right then, left their nets and followed him. And I would imagine that people were saying, I cannot believe that they did that. You know, there's probably people that say, I cannot believe it that you go to church every time those doors are open. I've had that said to me. In a, in, a, in, a, in a form. I even said that when I first came into the church. And people have implied that to me. That they can't believe that we would go all the time and just in comments and things such as that. Because when I first came into church before I was converted, before I became a Christian, I thought that was mighty strange. Because that wasn't the standard that I had prior to me being converted. So what am I known for? What are you known for? I guarantee you this morning when you took, took out away from your house, if your neighbor saw you, they knew exactly where you were going. Without a doubt, they knew where you were going. Why? Because you have a reputation. And, you're re and the reputation you have is that Sunday morning rolls around, they're going to church. I think it's a great thing. 
In 2 Corinthians 11.25, the Bible says, and we covered this quite a bit this morning, Paul talking about how he had suffered for Christ. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, and night and a day I had been in the deep. And he did, he had suffered quite a bit for Christ. But he willingly did that, he had a reputation of that, and now even yet today, we're still speaking about that. Values are what we hold to be more important than our own desires. Values. We have a desire to do a lot of things. But if we deny ourselves and follow Christ, then we have the values that God would want us to have. So what hinders those values? Well, pride. Sometimes we just feel like we've got to get it off our chest and we just he's not going to say that to me and I'm not going to do nothing about it. He's going to hear what i got to say about that. You know how that goes. What is that? It's pride. It's pride. In Proverbs 29 and 23, the Bible says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall, be, shall uphold the humble in spirit. When we can contain ourselves and control our tongues and, and do the right thing, that's going to be a great thing for us. It, we'll, we'll get a tick up on our integrity level and reputation. Humble in spirit. When you put God first, Matthew 6 and 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, unto you. So how do we build that godly character? Using godly models. You're very fortunate here at this congregation to have elders and men and women here that are godly examples. What a blessing that is. Not every place has that in place. But you do here. So use those godly models. Pattern yourself off these godly men and women in the church. Shadow them in how that they handle things and watch them and get counsel from them and let them help you with that. Romans 12 and 10, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Stay with church people. Be with church people. Do things with church people. Vacation with church people. And when we do that, we are around the influences that we need to have. Use godly methods. First Tim, or 2 Timothy 1, verses 13 and 14. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me, and faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Hold fast the form of sound words. Use common sense. Sometimes we just throw, we have to throw a little common sense in there along the way, don't we? Sometimes common sense, if we have shown a godly pattern of study and trying to obtain knowledge from the Scripture, then we can, we can apply that common sense by the, what we have already learned about what God wants. James 4 and 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him it is sin. If we know something don't smell right, then we know it don't smell right. And we stay away from it. If you know to do good and you don't do that, what does the Bible say? It is sin. 
Building godly character, leave a good impression on others. It'll help us. Exercise self-control. Matthew 26 and 41, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We are weak. And we need to work on self-control all the time. Self-regulating our speech and our patterns and the people that we deal with and how we deal with them and our honesty and integrity and all the things that, that put together our reputation and integrity. That self-control also is, is talk, talked about in Titus 2, 1 and 2. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That should be our speech. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Reputation integrity. Again, it must be established on God's Word. To guide our lives, to minister to, and guide our families. That means to serve. To serve our families and guide them with God's Word. To guide others to Christ. God's way is that solid foundation. In Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, <clears throat> Jesus says, He's talking about the foundation and building a foundation. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings, these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Why did it fall not? Why did it not fall? Because he built it on a rock, a solid foundation. And you know, if you build your family on a solid foundation, then your family won't fall when the trouble comes. That's what he's talking about here. That's what he's talking about here. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Let's go on. For it was founded upon a rock, and every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Let's read about him. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And the reason it fell is because it was not founded on a solid foundation. We need to build a solid foundation for us, our worship, our family, our morals, our integrity, our standards. What we allow and disallow in our homes needs to be built on a rock. And that rock, that foundation, is God and God's Word. And when we do that, we'll have the reputation and integrity that we need in our life to guide our families, to guide our life, to please God. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.